Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs with uh, Dave Cruz from Madison, Wisconsin. And today we are lucky enough to have Paul Stillmake with us. And Paul is the founder and CEO of Seven Summits, which provides a community solution platform to schools, retailers, manufacturing, and a variety of other companies, which we'll talk more about it. It's, it's, it's quite interesting what they've built. And so I brought on Paul because Seven Summits is a, is a fast-growing company based in Milwaukee. And of course, I'm always interested in Wisconsin companies. So I'm really excited to hear more about Seven Summits and uh, Paul's background. So Paul, thanks for uh, coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Glad to get, glad to be able to join you guys. Yeah, well, we appreciate it, and uh, maybe what we'll do, you know, we'll talk more about Seven Summits because I'm, I'm curious to learn more, you know, how you developed it over the years and got clients. But first off, it'd be interesting to hear a little about your background and kind of, you know, how that impacted you and led you eventually to Seven Summits. Yeah, so an interesting amalgamation. So I, I. Uh, I grew up in Wisconsin. I went to school at Marquette in the engineering program there. So I'm a, I had a major in electrical engineering and computer science. So I'm a, a kind of a geek tech guy. But I, uh, over the course of my career, I spent 10 years over at Rockwell here in Milwaukee. I then went into the consulting business where I, I did everything from project management to working in, in agencies. And, and ultimately, all that kind of coalesced in, in terms of what uh, um, Seven Summits kind of became because I, I didn't want to just think about technology for technology's sake. I wanted to, kind of the consulting part of me, maybe want to solve a, a customer's business problem, but I knew with all the social stuff, which we'll talk about in a second, that, you know, we needed to create engagement that drove business value. I don't care if that was revenue or more sales or, you know, renewal rates or better customer service for, for companies out there. So, those are the things that probably, you know, impacted me the most. It was the engineering background and thinking about products and how do I create something repeatable. Um, some of the consulting background has to be think through from an advisory perspective. You know, how do I solve somebody's business process in a better way? And then ultimately, you know, doing it in an elegant fashion from, from a creative standpoint, from an experience and design standpoint, um, would, would really get the engagement that, that people would come and participate. And that participation would then drive drive um, benefits for our customers. And the tech part, that table stakes now, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's online. It's internet. It's, it's back when I started, it was web tool, but the online community stuff has really become intriguing in terms of uh, how it applies to business. Definitely. Definitely. What were your positions at Rockwell and when you're doing consulting, you know, what were you kind of uh, in charge well, of? I was, a, I, was a, I was a software engineer at Rockwell when I started, um, you know, back in, 87, and then I ended up, um, over time, I ended up um, going into more of a management and oversight perspective where I had teams doing everything from product management and marketing to building out the hardware huh. um, to software and packaging all that up to take it to market. Um, so um, that was my Rockwell role. So well, anyway, from software, software engineer, finished up as like director of project management. Wow, was it what was uh, one example of one product or project you worked on? Yeah, we did some cool stuff. So when I first got there, probably the, the funnest part there was some of the first things I did. Uh, they had a, a group they had launched called Intelligent Sensing Products. Um, now we talk a lot about barcode and RFID, uh, but we also did some cool things with vision systems. So you had a lot of data and analytics coming into these products that would kind of be being used to make decisions in factory 
interesting. I mean, that, yeah, and that's, you know, they talk about making factories more intelligent. You guys were a little ahead of the curve back then. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, and then how about, uh, so you were at Rockwell for, was it 10 years, did you say? Yep. Okay, and then, right. yeah, then. Yes, and I, then I hopped over to a, a company that was founded in Chicago. It's a company called Whitman Hart, and they had kind of a, you know, office-based model where they were launching practices and offices in certain markets across the country, really, really serving more of the mid-market um, from a technology standpoint. And so that that company had partnerships with certain technology platforms like you know, SAP and JD Edwards and and so forth, and uh, Siebel, and they would basically have teams that were really expert in those technology platforms. And, and that, that's great, but I think, you know, what I brought from my experience was, you know, what, how are we solving a, a business problem? So I was always after more of a solution. I can use the technology for a problem we're trying to solve. Uh, Women, Women Heart was a great company and ended up uh, going public in 96 and had a pretty nice, nice run until the, the dot-com crash. And then had to get refactored, and uh, I followed the founder over to his next generation company. And that's quite frankly an important. Um, you know, when you look at positions that impacted me, I ended up following that founder when he started a new company called Form and Function, and that's where I kind of really got the DNA to say, hey, you know, in a, in a down market, by the way, 9/11 in 2001, and we were all trying to raise money for this new company, which was difficult. And I got, you know, being one of like the first handful of them. Um, employees there um, was able to really glean some insights about what it took um, in, a, in a down market to get a company off the ground. In fact, it's actually the best time to do it. Um, if you subscribe to you know, Warren Buffett thinking, right? People are <laughs> people are fearful, for so it's a great time to get greedy and say, hey, I can get resources for less. Other companies were downsizing. Talent was available. You know, Milwaukee was no different on that. When we launched the company, we literally were going to banks and and um, fire sales were companies that were closing down, so we were able to completely furnish offices and stuff for pennies on the dollar of what it would have cost if we had done it in the market. But you have to have a great idea um, to be able to fuel all that. So that was a little bit of the, the genesis making that 7 back in 2009. Gotcha. Okay. So that so 2009 is when you started 7 Summits. and uh, Yeah. So when, when the Whitman Heart was a – 10-year career. I mean, I stayed with the founder. Um, when we started Form and Function, we raised um, some money. We raised about $8 million. And, you know, probably a few years later, we were able to reacquire some of the assets of Whitman Hart and rebrand that company and grow it into a substantially strong um, consultancy. And, and at, at the end of the day, I mean, the sad story, I mean, the founder um, had a heart attack. And oh, no. I made a decision at the, at the point that he couldn't, he wasn't going to, he was the money guy. He wasn't going to be there to get us to some level of liquidity. So I made the choice to go to Global Manpower. Um, I had some really strong colleagues I knew there. And I took a position to help them maybe go to market um, globally with some of these same sorts of technologies that I'm working with today, online communities and, huh. and web flow te- you know, technologies. And so they had some efforts they were doing there that needed a shot in the arm, but then there were some brand-new platforms that we built and took to market around some of the same DNA that I based on the company. And I was only at Manpower for a couple of years, um, and ultimately uh, went from there to start uh, Summit in, in early in 2009. So, all right, so at what point were did, 
what what signals occurred or or signal that it said okay this is a good time to start seven summits you know what kind of gave you the belief that it was a good timing and that you know that yeah, idea two, was good two things one is the mark the market was down again okay. I knew from my my old boss and mentor that was a great time to start a company back to my comment about Warren Buffett and then as well I basically spent two solid years doing nothing but studying this online community space. What became obvious to me, other than the fact that Mantar was spending a good amount of effort harnessing those um, platforms and technologies to um, to their market, I, and, and so I saw, hey, if, if one large organization is doing that, many are going to want it. But I understood the connection between um, the, the social aspect of these technologies and what it might glean inside a business. And I'm not talking about Facebook and Twitter and all that. I'm talking about, you know, all that stuff that's swept through popular culture, Dave. And people get it, and that's how they want to work. Nobody wants to drill through folders <laughs> to find stuff. Right. They want to do. They want to be served content. They want to. Um, and it's really intri- intriguing what happened because on Facebook, you know, you and I might link up, and I'm following you, and I see stuff in, in your feed, and what you're doing with the baby at breakfast, and you're off at a ballpark doing something but in business i might be following a project and getting a feed on documents getting posted or i'm onboarding an employee and the last 15 employees marked certain documents five stars because they were the things that got them productive uh, most quickly that that those metaphors that are enclosed in, in, in these social networks have actually um found benefit in these online communities that are being used to drive business both both externally Right, we think about channel partnerships and customers, but also internally, like we're replacing entire intranets um, with this stuff because mm. it's making for efficiency. Right? Um, if I email you, um, you and I are on that thread, and anybody else I copy, but nobody else knows what we're talking about. And if we're trying to close a deal, and that's actually published out in the online community, anyone can access our conversation, contribute, mark something a correct answer. And we increase our ability to close more business because we're getting the best thinking from everyone. It's not siloed off somewhere between a few people in an email thread. Makes sense, right? So that's what we're doing. Gotcha. Okay. And that's what yeah. I was going to say is, uh, and you, you kind of just did it, but I mean, do you have a, a brief overview on seven summits just so somebody? You, yeah, I mean, you, we, one of the things we did well when we started is I went out and I got I got a business coach. I actually used the Action Coach. Um, there's a, there's a team out in Elm Grove, uh, Jim Palswood, yeah. who's my direct coach. I knew him. So those, those guys kind of helped me create some structure. I set up a, an outside board. So we made sure we had a mission and a vision um, and a brand promise. So maybe those help describe what we do. So you know, our mission, I mean, Seven Summit's mission is, you know, we we are creating online community experiences that will transform your business and, and along the way enhance people's lives. Mission statements, so we're getting back to the community as well. And our 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 um, brand promise to our customers is that we're actually going to enable your customers, your partners, and your employees to build the business. You don't have to do it by yourself. So, for example, when I say, "Well, how would you how would you get your customers to help you build your business?" Well, that's ratings and reviews. It's you know, I go out on Apple forums and I'm upgrading my phone and I have an issue and and you you solve it. I ask a question on a forum and, and you post the answer. You get some points towards some Apple for discount. My problem solved, but Apple didn't spend a penny on that on that customer service case. Huh. So, so we're we're actually saving them money deflecting a call 
right? So that that's pretty cool, and that's what we're here to do: to get your customers, your partners, and your employees building the business for you and engaging it at a different level. So you have both. So your uh, community platform is both internal and external facing, in some ways, or it can be. Yeah. So 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 let's talk about that that a little bit. So we, yeah. So we're doing internal and external. Um, so we we actually. Um, are working on top of other platforms and creating accelerators, templates, and our own products on those platforms. And one of the things that I often tell people when I say, hey, you built a company, how'd you get out of the gate so quick and how did it grow so fast is that you should have your own channel partners. So when we launched the company, we partnered with Jive Software out of San Francisco. Oh, yeah. they, actually, they actually had a community platform. Um, our job was to say, how do I apply that to very specific business problems to solve it. So we might create a sales enablement community um, so that salespeople you know, can quickly find assets and close deals faster. And they, they might be using a sales platform like Siebel or Salesforce.com, but where the community was elemental to where they were going to go to engage a team to close their deals. And we were able to show um, in many case studies that when salespeople joined and were active in a community, they had a higher close rate. That's that's pretty cool. Really, and then huh. we and then later we partnered with other companies like uh, you know Salesforce.com. They've now launched their community cloud, and so they actually have a platform for that gets access to all the data inside their ecosystem. But again, you know we're coming and saying that's great. You know you can't just turn on these communities and hope people engage. We you know by the time we partnered with them, we had 170 pretty robust communities under our belt, and we knew not only how to build them and make them beautiful and engaging, but we, we knew how to get people to use it in a fashion that if you were a bank, consumers the consumers that were using and, and engaged with bankers in the community, we saw deposit growth. Or if you were a software company and you wanted people to build stuff on your platform, let's call that a developer network. People in the developer network actually had higher renewal rates. They, they had much higher renewal rates than customers who didn't have access to that network because there was more value there. So, so I think we were always tying it back to are we moving the needle for the customer with this with these um, solutions. And, and that, you bring up a good point. So you know, everyone wants to create these networks, and but it's, for one, the software is not always that hard to, to create, but to actually make it, um, accessible and engaging. That's the hard part. And, uh, so, you know, you said that, you know, you're, by that time you already had 170 communities up, you know, how did you make it more engaging or how did you get, uh, maybe that's part of your secret sauce, but whatever you can share. It is. And, yeah. and our secret sauce is we, you know, part of our secret sauce is we have some, we have a range of capabilities in the company. It can't just like what, what we run into with our competition is, they may be working with Jive or Salesforce or Lithium or these other platform companies, but they literally come in and platform you. They'll come in and <laughs> say, hey, you know, we'll get this stood up for you, and now you've got one. Platform. We don't do that. We yeah. actually, we have tech people. We could do that. But we go in with our advisory team, and we spend some time understanding your audience and what their needs are. Because if, if, if we can make them delighted, and their delight causes them to get engaged, and their engagement causes the business outcome, like the ones I mentioned, you know, renewal rates, you know, um, bank deposit growth, whatever it is, that that that's a home run. And so you actually have to have some consultants and some advisors to understand those vertical businesses. Then you have to have a great creative team. 
be, and that's not just because you know I don't just need visual designs and colorization. I mean, someone who's going to go in and do a journey map for that customer, that end constituent, how are they going to behave in this environment, and how do we bring that to life and put the community in the path of their work and the things that they need to get done? And then we have to, you know, have all of the um, um, technologists, regardless of the platform, to bring this to bear for you. And sometimes people have already picked platforms. We, we certainly are biased toward who we think the leaders are. Um, we're doing some work on platforms that we don't think are the greatest, but it's people are hiring us because the platform's not the end game. It's, it's the science that we bring to understanding the customer journey and your audience and how that's going to drive business for you in, 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 as they get engaged in these communities with with your teams. And so I think that's that's part of our secret sauce. And then I think ultimately, you know, we we want to stay and help you realize that value. So we'll we'll do something we call social business management or community management as a service. We'll get in there with you as a retained service and help make sure the engagement's happening. Promoting content in your community, um, looking at exemplar participants and promoting them to the landing page and really trying to make sure that we're driving that activity because that's that's elemental to getting the business benefits. And wow. So those are all you, you don't want to just do one of those. And we, we run into companies all the time, Dave, where somebody does the strategy work, you know, somebody does the creative, maybe they already have an agency and they want them to do it, and then somebody comes in and does the tech. We do it all. And there isn't a knitting together um, or a method that we're using. We call it the seven summits way, where there's handoffs between those teams that are very specific. So that we are doing it fast, and now you know we've got templates and accelerators, and ultimately productization of some of what we do, so that we can get it in for you very fast and get you after that business value. Well, that's great, and I can see from a perspective client's view, you know, you can walk them through the entire pro- like you just did with me, uh, the entire process, and they can feel good that like by the end we're going to have a kind of, it won't be completely custom product, but it'll be f- quite custom for their needs. And which gives them the best shot of actually making this platform work, huh? That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so how I, I, I'm curious, how, how do you decide to uh, build on top of another platform? Because I'm I'm guessing there's a, some additional custom development and some cost there. So like with Salesforce, you know, maybe that's a no-brainer because it's so huge. But some of these other platforms, do you do you need a certain number of customers on board on that platform or? If, show some interest or a customer is going to pay for that custom development to go on a new platform or how do you, how do you make that decision? Well, I mean, the customer ultimately, you know, we're trying to guide them toward the right solutions in the business, right? So okay. by the time we've done the analysis and done the workshops and understood specifically what they're trying to do, one or more of those platforms, they make sense. We made the decision to build on top of platforms because in terms of getting to market, and we started, you know, in 2010 and we've been growing very quickly if I was only building my own product, I would have to do everything that, you know, for example, Salesforce has done or Jive has done, and they've created an enterprise package. It's secure, right? I mean, if I'm working with financial services companies or healthcare companies, there's some regulatory compliance things. I don't want to go solve all that. I want to assume that's table space and the data is secure and protected, and I'm going to work on building value on top of that, right? Because those packages might not do the things that we do for higher ed, for example. You mentioned schools. So we'll build an alumni network. We'll take Jive. Um, we'll integrate it with Box. So you can, you know, all that stuff that gets sent to your house from your alma mater, that's all in a directory in Box. Um, we'll take Red Hat Service Bus and integrate PayPal for donations. And then we'll badge you using Punchball. You know, I went to the University of Chicago, School of Business. 
and the Student for Alumni Network, kind of like four-square badges. But we don't really care who's mayor. We're trying to track behaviors that people did to earn those badges and then be able to profile those folks and say, hey, there's some other alumni over here just like you. Um, they probably want some of the content you clicked on on the way to earning that badge. Let's just take that content and give it to them to get them activated. You know, nobody owns that skew of an alumni network. I think they sell alumni networks. They sell online communities. Bikeball sells badging. Box sells binary storage. We sell a solution for higher ed that we've integrated and built that solves a very specific need and drives up donations and activity and participation in events with alumni. Huh. Um, I think you have an admission solution too. So it, it kind of makes sense, right? That that why would I want to be spending all my time building the base platform when I can get a ton of value on top of it with the thinking I just described? No, that makes a lot of sense, and I th- I think you need to talk to my alma mater too. So I'll I'll make the introduction because I've been happy to take the introduction. Yeah, I'm I've been talking. Yeah, they've been needing this something like this for years. So, anyways, that's a side conversation for. Um, but uh, so I'm curious. I want to go back to the beginning of Seven Summits. Before we do, what you know, what's the current state of a Seven Summits? You know, wh- whatever you can disclose around revenue and number of customers, um, and then. You know who are some of your kind of uh, give a example of some of your customers. You know, and what names or industries? Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I'll come to the thing. I, I, the ones that I can share, the ones on on the website, we're doing some really cool work with companies that can't share yet because it's not okay. live or or they don't they don't want to tip their hand. They've engaged a company like us, but there's some pretty cool ones I can share. Um, so, the Seven Summits is about 80 employees right now. Um, we also have some some uh, complimentary partners offshore that we use to help us do some of the lifting on the technology side. Um, so we probably are keeping about 100 people busy on average right now. Um, you know, when we started the company back in 2009, it was completely self-funded. Um, at some point, we were growing so quickly, we wanted to pour some gas in the fire, so we worked with our local law firm, White Hirschbeck-Dudek, who tied us into a uh, an angel or a, or a private fund that poured some gas on the fire. It was you know, we probably went out with that effectively and pulled in about a you know million four um, on the route to growing the business to about just under twelve million in by twenty thirteen. When we then made the decision to, um, because a couple people approached us and wanted it, um, we basically made the decision to go out and get a banker and decide, you know, how would we go faster? Should we get some VC money? Should we take some debt? Should we, you know, look at a private equity situation? Um, or any strategic companies that could fuel us faster. So we went through a whole process with that and ultimately partnered with, as you can see on our website, Spheric International out of, uh, out of San Francisco. And so that's a, that's a private equity, um, and they brought some great thinking in, in terms of how to further productize and capitalize on some of the things we had done to create re- recurring revenue opportunities, to create value for our shareholders, but at the same time they loved, they had a deep tension. In fact, I was just in a strategy session with them thinking about how we're going to market, how do we, you know, are, we're here to be a great company and how do we, how do we more benefits for our customers across their entire ecosystem by applying communities um, in a very repeatable way. Interesting. And so um, that was 2000, late 2013. So we're a couple of years into that partnership and that's been great. And we've seen pretty good growth last year. growth grew somewhere between 35 to 40%. Um, the last three years, we've been in Inc. 5,000. We'll be on that list again. It'll be the third time this year. Running, running the rough math. So I think you know we're we're continuing to grow, and part of it is the customers, right? Um, so we're 
you know, we're working with some cool new mid-market companies like Okta and Avid, the new company. We're working with some really cool big companies like, um, you know, we're working with C-Ray. Uh, we created a boat owner community, which basically, you know, helps them with customer service, connect distributors with boat owners, get boat owners a place to get access to information and have great outings with their boats and gives, you know, C-Ray some helpful data to think about how they better serve the needs of those of those boat owners. And so there's an example of a, a microcosm of a community that's doing multiple things, but not only for the boat owner, but connecting them with the right distributor, even when they're traveling, if they throw a propeller or they need to get a part, just improving the overall experience. And then along the way, you know, allowing, you know, C-Ray to, to uh, offer more and more support and benefits to their, their end customer. So that's a cool one. I mean, we're, um, we're, we are, uh, in terms of in terms of some of our in terms of some of our other customers, I think you know we kind of own our backyard pretty well. We've done some great work for Allstate, uh, you know Johnson Controls. We've done, um, you know, we've we've got a. And I'm trying to make sure I know my list here of, <laughs> of brands that I can and can't mention here. But um, I think we're we found ourselves in a situation where when we look at, for example, um, you know. Aurora is a, is a very large client. Milwaukee Tool is a very large client. Um, we built Groupon's entire intranet. Um, wow. Very cool because we met them. They didn't really have one yet. They were huh. a really rapid-growing company, and they were contacting people through directories and spreadsheets. So we've created this pretty pretty nice experience for them that both let, let the whole person come to work. So you were there to kind of come up with go-to-markets and sell products, but you also had a really cool employee base that you were trying to you know, let connect with each other in, in many ways, right? As part of their their whole employee engagement and culture model that they were doing. Um, so, and you know, some of the higher ed, the higher ed ones I mentioned already, right? University of Chicago, Harvard Business School. There's some pretty marquee ones there that we um, spent time with. And uh, Babson College, uh, we're working on their alumni network now. That's at Entrepreneurial School. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's some. Those are those are probably some good examples, and I go go over others. So you went from uh, in 2010 is when you officially launched, right? Went from z- zero in revenue yeah. to 12 million in revenue by end of 2013. Yep. That, wow, that's pretty fast. Um, and you didn't raise a whole lot of money. So how? I mean, yeah. How were those? How did you get rolling initially? And then how did you grow so quickly? Did you bring on a a good sales team? And when you kind of bring on the sales team and how did that all kind of flesh out? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things is first of all, having channel partners like oh, yes. they drive they they actually may have opportunities where and just imagine the alumni example I just used, Dave, where where um, you know Jive, you know, or Salesforce, you know, Box or Bunchball, they all know we have this alumni network, and if one sells, um, they their software sells their software sells as part of the solution, right? So if the overall solution brings in a bad customer is going to buy this integrated solution, well, guess what? Bunchballs, sales reps, and I think at the time they maybe had uh, eight, Box had 55, Jive had a couple hundred. They're all trying to sell that SKU. So, and when they did, you know, we got the benefit of not of doing our work, but we collectively were a reseller for those platforms and they would all Basically, we would get a part of the transaction for each of them because technically we kind of source that through our solution. So I could say, 
So back in 09, 10, 11, 12, was we grew from one, I mean me, to <laughs> you know, a handful of salespeople. I actually had a couple hundred because I had the oh, yeah. leverage of all those partners who would love it if someone bought an alumni network trying to get us in wherever they could. So that, that drives tremendous opportunity for scale. Gotcha. That makes sense. I mean, that's smart. Um, did you think through that before you even started Seven Summits about the kind of the oh, distribution yeah. channel? Yeah. The, I mean, you were researching yeah, all this. Of, for... <laughs> I, was re- and I, I, re- I actually recorded over the last six years, I keep these little digital recorders, and I've recorded all of it. Um, it's it's like peeling an onion, right? You're 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 doing this for the first time, and I want to learn because what as we get through different phases, and like we are now, we're kind of reinvigorating and going into new directions. You want to think back on on what worked and how do we do that again faster as we bring more and more products and, and vertical markets to bear. Like we're getting after like software and high tech and manufacturing now. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so who would be uh, a a couple questions then? It, I know we're kind of running out of time here, but want to move to your uh, um, more about being based in Wisconsin and, and more about your role. But um, before we do, um, and I just lost what I was going to say, of course, because I got uh, too involved. Um, oh, well, what was I going to say? Well, um, I know one of the things you talked, about, you talked about before the call was, you know, what's it like building a tech company here? You just mentioned Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. That was your, your line of thinking. But, um, you know, I, I think back in 09 and 10, there was a tremendous amount of talent available. And there are certain technology skill sets. And a lot of people say, hey, you guys are a tech company. But as I described, we're doing many things. So we, we strongly benefited from the fact that there's a strong creative contingent in Milwaukee. Um, think about Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design and, you know, user experience and you know, how we're creating well, people who have been building websites. What we're doing is really building a very tailored, socially engaging web property on, on these platforms. And so I think a lot of the people we've hired here from across a lot of the other agencies and companies in town have got to work with some really cool brands creating experiences that are really cutting edge. So I think that that's a, that's been a big part of it. I mean, as we started to grow, you know, there are certain skill sets in, in terms of, you know, advising and consulting. Um, some of the tech stuff, especially as you get into the Salesforce platform, there aren't a lot of those here. And so we've had to spread our wings. And so we, we first went to Chicago because we had a lot of customers there. You know, I mentioned Allstate, Motorola, and others. So we we ended up putting an office in Schaumburg, um, and we... We had a lot of customers there, and you know, with with some of the changes that were happening in that market, again, we we're able to get a lot of good employees there, and that's that's probably a a good, you know, fit to the staff. And then we actually use this stuff that we sell to run our company, Dave. So we we have a we have a social intranet that we call the Hive, and we have a community for our customers that we call the Peak. And every customer has a private area where they can work with us on projects. So technology is ubiquitous, so we can work with customers anywhere, and the employees could be anywhere. So we'll hire people away from a competitor who might be doing Salesforce work, and they're actually in a community with people in Milwaukee and Chicago, but it feels better than maybe sitting at home working with your customer directly as a one-off person. So we've created these very engaging um, team environments, and that's allowed us to start bringing people on in New York, we have people in New York, Orlando, Austin, um, Dallas, San Francisco, Denver, um, but they're actually part of something. They're not just the Seven Summits mission, but 
our overall purpose and how we engage employees. And, uh, and that's also allowed us on the peak community, which, you know, performance always happens at the peak. Got a whole mountain thing going on. <laughs> that the customers, we have, we have customers in the UK, um, in Munich. Um, some of our customers in the States have taken us to um, some of their international locations to do work. Um, but also we have some just organic, you know, in Europe countries that we've done work for or are about to do work for. Um, and that's pretty cool because to them, it, you know, other than some time zone challenges, it doesn't really matter where we are um, with our thinking. And we're unique. And so um, we've worked really hard to make sure that, you know, the online communities in our business allow employees to come from anywhere and us to serve customers um, across the seven continents, which gets back to the name Seven Summits. Oh, nice, nice. And thanks for uh, saving me. As, as I always say, I like to try to make my uh, interviewees look good. So <laughs> I appreciate it. And and that always happens. So I, I always try to no, know. But I appreciate it. And well, I, yeah, I was going to ask about the name. So that's interesting. And it sounds like you have a, a wonderful uh, you know, work environment. And uh, But I can imagine why, because you know, you're building these community platforms. And so first thing you have to create is good community within your own company in order to right? exactly. help other people. I can't tell you how many times we show customers see how we work and they're like, I, I need more of this. I <laughs> want to work like you. And, and it's scalable, right? So we're smaller, um, but really large companies like Motorola, for example, completely see how this could scale for their business, not only internally, but how they engage their distributors and ultimately their you know, B2B end customers with their products. And so, um, it all, it all comes down to the fact that, you know, we're fundamentally changing business processes with social and online community to drive deeper relationships for their customers. And that's, that's showing up on the bottom line and the top. Gotcha. Revenue. All right. Two more questions, I promise. And when, sure, one, all right. Um, one is, so as CEO, you know, what are some of your main priorities and, um, you know, on a daily basis, even a monthly basis that you focus on? Yeah, I mean, I, I I would I would say um, that I, I've got my priorities organized into four buckets. I call them the four P's, right? So <laughs> first one is, you know, we've got it's it's a people business. We're a human capital company, so you know how we're engaging our teams and our people, and the imperative around finding great talent, getting them up the curve on what we do quickly so they can serve our clients is is a top priority. Um, we actually have, uh, uh, and I, I can even put it higher in, in priority in some cases, is pipeline. That's the second key, right? How do we drive and generate demand for what we're doing? How do we wrap up our case studies, get them out in the market, which is great you're even doing this podcast. I mean, getting the word out about seven summits um, and having our pipeline become very predictable and smooth is, is the main priority for me. And then I've got my next P is product, right? How do we take what we're doing? And I'll say productize it into accelerators or templates or you know, Salesforce has these lightning components and we're going to be on their exchange doing that. How do we create other ways to monetize what we're doing um, in our business? And, and productization is, is a big priority for me. And then the last one is uh, perform. And that really is the culmination of all of it where, you know, are we hitting our objectives? You know, are we growing the top line? Are we doing it profitably? And what are some of the underlying strategies for how we do that in our company? And it, it's great for me because I have somebody on my executive team who owns the pipeline, owns sales and marketing. I have someone who owns product. I have somebody who owns people. And then I'm right now searching for a CFO so that they can kind of help me strategize and think about the perform element um, as we grow the business. 
Interesting. And do you, do you spend about equal time on all those? Do you think, or it probably depends upon the month or the the week? I'm 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 uh, you could probably already tell from this whole podcast. I'm more of a sales and marketing guy, so I <laughs> yes. I, uh, <laughs> I I was delighted to get the product, but I have that product background right from Rockwell, so I I like participating in all. But you know, when you get to the level, and we're and we're trying to be be are becoming a very premier provider of what we do. To be that CEO, I need to let go of some of those and focus on just some very main priorities. So I have a penchant for the vision, the strategy, and how we're going to evolve uh, into these repeatable products and then you know, getting involved. I always love to be out at the customers looking at how they're using the things we do, um, helping to close business, and make sure that we're, we're all aligned in terms of what we can do to help them. That's where I spend most of my time. Okay. Well, that, 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 that's smart. And. And so you guys have done a lot of things right. Is, is there one or two things like that you wish you would have done differently? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot, but one or two kind of a main thoughts that uh, come to your mind. But well, these are some good lessons learned. I would, I would, I would say that um, one of the things that that I think we really did right. I mentioned earlier is that you know I went and got outside help. Not just financial help, not just you know financiers, but just you know getting um, third-party perspectives on what we're doing. I think a lot of people start a company, and my advice would be you don't know what you don't know. And so, getting a business coach, um, whether it's like action coach or someone else you just know, I'm, you know, I set up initially a small board of directors with um, three key people, but then I set up a little advisory council, and the advisory council may be met a couple times a year, um, but uh, you know, getting that, that, that small board together, and I had a guy in San Francisco who had taken two companies public. I had a guy in Milwaukee that had been involved in some of the, you know, venture funds here. Um, you know, I had uh, the, the attorney representing some of the guys that put the dollars in who turned out to be, you know, remarkable in terms of what he could bring to some of our thinking in terms of how we set up our operating plan and monetize the company. So, you know, we, we didn't want to be a boutique, you know. Nobody's name is on this company. I mean, Seven Summits is its own brand. I mean, I think we made some good decisions early, but a lot of it got fueled um, by having some outside help and, and perspectives because we, you know, you don't, no matter what you think you know about what you're taking to market and have a passion for your product or your service, uh, building a company is a whole other matter. And so I think I give a lot of credit to the folks that we had in here as advisors to help shorten the timeline, make decisions fast, and not fall into some of the in some of the holes and quagmires that you might along the way. Just just even knowing to go, you know, hey, we, you know, we've got a lot of receivables out there and cash isn't flowing in from a lot of these big companies quickly, go get a line of credit. Right? I mean just having folks that have done it enough time to say, hey, that's not a that that's not a failure that you couldn't get it levered the money in the door fast enough, that instrument's there for a reason. And even get introduced to the right banker. We use Park Bank, love them. They even what the team are doing over there. So I think, you know, using those networks and getting surrounded by people that are outside your company to get their perspectives and people who've walked the path already was probably one of the smartest things we did. And then, um, and I know we're way over time, but I, I would also say, you know, we you have to have a mantra or a, um, a way of doing things. And we had all of our employees back in 10, 11, and 12, and even now reading a book called The Rockefeller Habits. And so it doesn't matter what is all in that book. It's super, super awesome, by the way. Um, Vern did a great job of, of helping people understand that you had to have you know, priorities in your business, which we talked about a rhythm in your business, 
So we have weekly meetings, we have monthly meetings, we have quarterly all-hands meetings. I have five everybody in Milwaukee to focus on the business and growing it. I mean, those that was a critical, super positive decision for us as well because we created tremendous employee engagement. Um, so I think those are probably some of the smartest things we did. That and also building our company on what we sell, um, eating our own dog food, if you will, right? Yeah, and yeah. Making it work. Yeah, those are those are all critical. All right, that's, that's, well. that's great advice. And uh, last question, you know, where do you want to take Seven Summits? I mean, of course, you want to keep growing it, but are there certain features you're really excited about, or industries, or just uh, or more just as much spreading the word and helping organizations? Yeah, I mean, that gets to my main priority. I, you know, we're here to grow a great company that directly impacts the business value for our customers. So. And we want to do that on a global scale. So we're here to build a great uh, global company um, over time. And so when when you look at it through that lens, um, you know we 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 need to have an ability to scale the business to create some you know financial goodness in terms of ongoing revenue models, right? And I think productizing what we're doing is is essential. Ultimately, we, we do want to get you know, boots on the ground in Europe and help penetrate some of those markets. And, and all that's designed, you know, to create a great company that's got year-over-year revenue and profit growth. And that creates, you know, value for our shareholders. Um, and along, you know, along the way, and elemental to it, I said, is we, we want to keep this awesome culture going. A lot, a lot of companies create an awesome culture. As they scale, they can't keep their arms around it. That's why companies like Zappos became so famous with their culture. So we're reading all of that, and we're trying to keep a very edgy, employee-driven uh, culture at Seven Summits. Those are probably some of the things that we will continue to focus and aspire to um, in the coming years. Huh. Great. Well, that was, uh, yeah, like I said, sounds like a nice place to work. Um, so I'm, I'm sure you're hiring. Oh, so if anybody's listening, reach out to reach out to them. <laughs> we are absolutely hiring, and there's a whole bunch of open positions I saw on that. our website. So, yeah, that's, you have yeah. a ton. I mean, you must have, like, I don't know, 25 positions open, maybe not that many. Yeah, but. yeah. we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but definitely, I guess that uh, wraps it up. So, Paul, definitely appreciate you uh, taking time to chat. If you guys are, oh, I mean, you're a great success story, but not a real well-known one in Wisconsin yet. But I think that could change yeah, over thanks, time. Thanks for the compliments. I certainly enjoyed sharing the story. So hopefully this was just one way to get some of the word out. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Sure. Yes, and thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time on Flyer Labs. Bye.